Hello, Looney listeners. You're listening to episode 188 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Connor. And just on the 188, it's an explosive week with an all new creative team announced, a Defenders release, a Moon Knight reading list, and our regular reviews with issue 3 of Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood, and Geordie Blair's most recent one on Moon Knight, and Marvel Fanfare 30. So grab eight issues, sit back, relax, and get your conch on. Okay, loonies, I uh, I tell a little fib. Um, this isn't episode 188. It is actually episode three of Into the Night. Um, but yes, as Connor mentioned, we do have some big, big news today. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that. First of all, Connor, how are you going? Well, I haven't been too bad. Um, I'm still making my way through assignments, so my week's been pretty quiet outside of absolutely binging the Defenders. What about you, Ray? So you've had a, <laughs> I think you had an even bigger week. Oh, yeah, just had a um, yeah, a really fun-filled week. Actually, I'm on holidays for the next week, so I'm pretty stoked about that. But um, just have some fam here at the moment, so I've been really enjoying their time. Uh, uh, I've uh, let them know about our little podcast, so um, they're actually in the next room. They, they know that we're recording this as, um, as we speak. Um, so I'd like to give a little shout-out to Nora and Thomas. Um, and uh, they leave tomorrow morning, early tomorrow morning. So, um, yeah, we've been, we've been out. We went to Bondi, Coogee today, um, two beaches in Sydney. Um, we bought more fish for the aquarium. Um, Any more recommendations and- of uh, Deadpool books from... <laughs> I know, diff- yeah, no different, uh, different pet store. So uh, I don't think she was really clued into the uh, the comics world. Uh, but finally, as well, just um, just yesterday, Thomas and myself, uh, we thought we'd get a- get back into a bit of uh, you know a bit of exercise. And uh, Thomas is a well, let's just say he's he's kind of built like a, a superhero already. <laughs> yeah, he actually trains people to go into the like the army and the, and the oh, police. Wow. Um, Police Academy. Teaching Mark um, Spector. So, teaching, yeah, so he, he's pretty much a, a close to Mark Spector as I can get. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he, he put me through the ringer, so my arms are just, <laughs> my arms are jelly at the moment still. Uh, stiff, actually, stiff and like jelly, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, no, fun for a week. Um, but anyway, loonies, thank you for joining us again. Uh, let's just... We have a lot to unpack, yeah. um, so let's just get straight into it. Connor, we've got big news, um, which occurred a few days ago. Yeah, well, I think it was about 5 o'clock on a Friday morning that uh, the big news dropped. Our creative team for the new Moon Knight 188 coming out in November from Marvel has been announced with writer Max Bemis and artist Jason Burrows. On Crazy Runs in the Family, parts one and two coming out in November. Yeah, exactly. One eighty-eight and one eighty-nine. They were advertising it. Um, hence the the altered introduction today. Um, but yeah, Max Bemis, um, known for basically uh, Full Killer that I know and uh, the worst X Men ever. Um, you've read both of them, right? Uh, I've read all of Worst X Men and the first issue of Full Killer. And actually, um, mm-hmm. he has another. He's done a few other works, such as Cross Ban- Badlands, Evil Empire, and Polarity. One of the other series I've ah. read a bit of that's coming out at the moment is Centipede by at Dynamite, a weird book based on that old Atari game. 
Oh, okay. Which has been kind of a hit, yeah. Yeah, trying to flesh that out. Uh, and so how do you find his writing? Like, do you reckon he's um, he's appropriate or suitable for Moon Knight? That's really tough. He's done a lot of really small stuff, so I guess this is his big break as he's talked about. So, I mean, mm. I really like his writing. It's it's he, He's, for someone pretty new to comics, he writes in the comic book format really well, but... Yeah, I've just, mm. you know, I've loved his books, but they don't even sort of set you up for what to expect from Moon Knight. Yeah, he, um, I, I only managed to, I was trying to read uh, all the full killer on Marvel Unlimited. I couldn't get, I mean, yeah, I couldn't get through it just because we had some fam over and stuff. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I was quite impressed with how he, how he wrote it. Uh, um, full killer is quite an interesting character anyway, and I guess you can draw some parallels between... I guess Full Killer and Moon Knight. Uh, he seemed to handle that pretty well. Uh, I found the I found the writing exactly as you say. It was very, very kind of tailored for comic books, which is surprising to hear that he's not um, not traditionally or hasn't been in the game for that long. Uh, another thing I, I heard about him is a lead singer of a band as well. Say anything. So um, I don't know. I'll be checking that out on Spotify. Yeah. Have you heard of it, the band? No, not till this announcement. I've, I already forgot because I'm real bad. But yeah, what have they been running for? Formed in 2000. Wow. Okay, well, they've got to be pretty polished. I'm going to check them up on Spotify, see if they're any good. But uh, let's just say this announcement with Moon Knight has got me really interested in um, reading and catching up on Max Bemis's stuff. Uh, Jason Burroughs as well, I'm, I'm not familiar with at all. I know he does apparently from the article that we've read, uh, and we'll post that up on our show notes. Uh, he's done a lot of horror work, uh, and he's co-created... Crossed with with Garth Ennis, is that correct? Yeah, which is a very very horrific, gross book about people turning violently evil and rapists. And like, imagine The Walking Dead, but instead of zombies, it's just terrible people. Oh, is this the one? Kind of, this is just off the top of my head. Is this the one that was really, 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 really violent? There was something going on in one of the um the Facebook. Yeah, like just. Some of the worst I've probably ever seen. Ah, wow. I wonder if you'll take that um, over to, to Moon Knight, which, you know, after seeing Houston's run and, and Ellis's and Bun's, it, it's, you know, it, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for, for there to be quite a violent take on Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, like Bemis, he's kind of been, he's done Cross Badlands, but that was over at Avatar Press. He hasn't really broken into the into the mainstream yet. He also mm-hmm. did a book called um, Providence, which I haven't read, okay. but it's fairly recent. Yeah, with Alan Moore in um, 2015. Right, okay. So not that long ago. And and he's the guy that's, um, like what you see on the article, the front cover, that's Jason Burroughs, I'm imagining. Yeah, that's his art, which is yeah, an okay. incredible co- cover with the, the eye of mm-hmm. Horace. Mm-hmm. Burnt into the, burnt into a building. Yeah, so I mean, if we go into, I mean, the article as well, it's quite a lengthy one, which is which is really great. I, I spent a good um, few minutes just pouring through this article. Uh, it's it's great to see that. Yeah, the front cover number one eighty eight. There's a bit of contention as to the numbering. I know a couple of loonies on our Facebook group have said it shouldn't it be one hundred ninety five. I think they're thinking because um, they're including Resurrection Wars and High Strangeness. Um, but I guess if they were like intended miniseries, as you can not 
have to you don't have to include them but uh the cover looks awesome and i'm just looking at it now uh it's got the i think it's one of our other loony, loonies adam stated it's got the old-fashioned moon knight font which is really cool uh and it's got the big bad standing on top of a building opposite from moon knight uh in flames so there's a lot of speculation as who this big bad be will be um it's been described as being the joker um uh, the equivalent of being the Joker, uh, what the Joker is to Batman. Um, so this is going to be quite an interesting uh, development, I think, in the story. It, it seems that, uh, okay, we've kind of left Lemire's great run behind, and I'm sure a lot of it's taken on board, but uh, it looks like Max Bemis is kind of taking it into another direction. Yeah, well, just to read out the solicitation as we get into our discussion, it reads... Uh, a new day is dawning, and with it comes an enemy unlike any that Mark Spector, Moon Knight, has ever faced. Moon Knight has always been a protector from the shadows, but this new enemy is looking to extinguish that shadow with blinding light and fire. Get ready for the introduction of Moon Knight's greatest nemesis. That's awesome. And uh, from our Facebook group discussions as well, I believe, I think it was Tommy, who may have um, suggested it might be Horace, like the sun god. Yeah, yeah he talked about... Um, in Egyptian mythology, uh, mythology Horus is sometimes Conchu's mother, sister, or consort, and saying that maybe his new arch nemesis is a relative from the um, Overvoid from Lemire's run, which was a sort of included all of Egyptian mythology as like an, another reality of the gods. Yeah, it was a nice touch. Um, it's a very, very interesting take. Also, um, if we go through the article as well. Um, they obviously ask first to Max, is, is he a big fan? And it's always comforting as a fan to know that the writer says, basically, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a big fan. He, he actually started with the Houston and Finch run, um, and he really loved it. Um, but, yeah, he just feels honoured. And I think any writer would, any writer and artist, because there have been a, a great lineup of artists and writers uh throughout Moon Knight's history. So he's the next in line. He's got a lot on his shoulders, uh, a lot of expectations, I think. Yeah, he talks about a lot about following on from something crazy like Ellis and Lemire and that he's really sort of love what they've done, but he, he's going to take sort of a whole new approach while respecting everything they've sort of built up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he he cites Bendis as well, saying um, Bendis is very Bendisy and amazing, <laughs> and Ellis is very is very Warren Ellis. Um, and then he mentions also because actually we coincidentally discussed this in our previous episode, Connor, about um, there being comedic writers uh, on and and what yeah. our thoughts were there. He he actually yeah he states that um, if you're a fan of dark Coen Brothers type comedy, um, there's going to be some of that. So. Although I said I wasn't too keen on comedic writers, I think I'd be on board with this. How about you? Yeah, he sort of compared it to a Lynchian, Fargo-esque sort of writing relating a lot to Grant Morrison and sort of that sort of very dark humour. And, I mean, last week I said, you know, I didn't want that. But if you read the rest of the article, you see it. It's it's kind of what you want. (laughs) It's... The way he sort of set it up, and you know, he's not saying it's a comedy book; it's just sort of part of it. Yeah, yeah, a bit of dark humor. It's it's not too bad. I mean, like, it's not going to be over. It's not going to be what I assume uh, the worst ever X Men uh, X Men was, right? That was pretty much a comedy, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that was 100%, you know, in the um, comic okay. genre. Because Full Killer was, to me, it, it had had its quirks, I thought, which was good. It wasn't overall funny, which I found was, was good as well, because um, you're kind of, you're dealing with a kind of a, a bit of a weirdo himself, and he's dealing with people that are kind of being, he's evaluating. Um, so there is a fine line. There is, yeah, I, I do see the, the tinge of comedy uh, that Bemis can do, but, you know, as long as it's not too over the top, um, I think he can do it really, I think it will do real well for Moon Knight. Uh, and especially he um, he cites also stuff like the Coen brothers' Fargo, I guess, um, and David Lynch, um, who I think is just brilliant as well. If he, if he can do something like David Lynch, mm. I will be over the moon, no pun intended. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he, he goes on just to talk about his stuff, um, and then they talk more about, uh, yeah, they go into Jason Burroughs' work, which was with Garth Ennis. They say that he, he kind of is reminiscent of Steve Dillon, which I think is a great thing as well. Um, mm. To me, he kind of, his art... Reminds me from only what I've seen from the front cover and the back, but just the way he kind of etches uh, the detail. He reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Juan Jose Reap, but I don't think he's probably going to be at that level. Um, so Reap is a, a current artist with Valiant Comics. He uh, he did the Britannia series with um, mm, uh, yeah right with Nero, uh, very highly yeah highly detailed, a little bit like uh, like Crumb. Um, kind of that underground um, work. That's what I'm kind of getting from Burroughs' title, um, front cover. But, uh, yeah, what do you reckon of his art? Okay, yeah, so I sort of see it very much as um, Juan Jose Rip. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, mixed with a bit of a Declan Shelby. It's sort of kind of mixing oh. the very sort of distinct clear images of um rip and uh sort of the very stylized version of um shelby and sort of very much makes it its own but that was the first thing i saw as you can see sort of the big night sky and the what he's clinging to i wonder um because we discuss a lot with lemire's run and smallwood and we still will um about how the layouts are just really well thought out and um kind of quite in- innovative. I wonder if Bemis and Burroughs will kind of bring that to uh, to the new title as well. Yeah, well, um, he in the interview sort of talks a, a lot about, what is it, um, the first issue was very much just sort of crazy out there and, you know, completely mm-hmm. trippy. So I think yeah. at, at the very least we're not expecting something very plain from these two. I think they've got something big in store that'll mm. just sort of shake up everything. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be interesting as well because they hadn't, I don't think, let me just check, they hadn't um, also mentioned the colorist. Oh, he's here, the colorist as well, uh, Jason Burrows, because it's got AC for him. So Ah, uh, that's um, artist and um, cover artist, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that, that probably makes sense. I wonder if um, I wonder who the colorist will be, mm-hmm. because Jordi Belair did a, a fantastic job um, with Moon Knight previously, um, and that really added to it. So I, I, with this whole trippy thing that um, Bemis is doing, I wonder if they'll get, you know, be inspired by a lot of I don't know cosmic or, or psychedelic colors. Yeah. Um. Oh, let me just pull up. Yeah, he talks a lot about. The very much the cosmic craziness, and he um 
Yeah, uh, he talks a lot about where Lemire left off, actually, when it comes to sort of seeing where we're going to go with this and um, talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the mystical or being a figment of the imagination, sort of about talking about the mystical, magical side of craziness and the cosmic rel- mm-hmm. realm of dreams. So you'd want to hope for a good colorist. Co- colorist? Colorist, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, they go on to uh, trying to tease out this new villain um, that they're going to try and introduce. Uh, there really isn't much to go on in the article, but, you know, there are a few hints. Uh, so he talks about um, he's kind of kind of following what, what Alan Moore or Grant Morrison writes about, basically chaos versus order. So you can pretty much see, okay, well, we've got Moon Knight. We've got night versus day, basically. So... I can see how it might, and, and obviously the Eye of Horus as well. That's the <laughs> way. Um, it, it looks like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of delve into the the mythical realm of um, of Egyptian, uh, uh, you know, gods. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, but we, we haven't actually seen. We don't know. Like, I don't. What do you reckon this villain will be like? Will he be a really powerful? Sun God, or will he be kind of like the the Human Torch, where he's literally, yeah. um, you know, just raises the temperature and, and can cast light on? I don't know. What, what do yeah, you I mean, there's absolutely nothing to go off. He sort of talks about the um, character type where he talks about, you know, between Moon Knight and this new villain's struggle between good and evil, and that he feels like Moon Knight, sort of an unhinged person, avatar on the mood, avatar of zaniness and creativity, while this villain mm-hmm. is... um very much completely sterilized and conformist and wanting to create, he seems to mention like creating a perfect society without any, that's completely uniform. So I think he's going to be very powerful just to. Do you reckon, do you reckon, I think maybe he might take the corporate angle. I mean, from the sounds of it, he seems to be very ordered, you know, as opposed to the chaos. He could be kind of like a, a Norman Osborn type. You know, you know, pulling the strings um, on a corporate level to, you know, change the world and, uh, you know, maybe behind that as well, he's, you know, he's really powerful as well. He can take on Moon Knight. But I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if he's, he's going to be sterile, you know, in that sense. Yeah, I'd really like that because we could see a lot more from um, Stephen Grant as well if he... Yeah, good point. You know, if he sort of gets a bigger role here. Hmm. And uh, and Bemis, sorry, sorry, kind of. Oh, yeah, you you go on. Oh no, I was about to say. Um, and Bemis talks about his own mental issues. Um, so I just also wonder as well whether we'll see a a lot of interplay um, between Moonlight's personalities. I mean, Lemire in in the in the previous run, uh, he did it so well, and you saw it with the the different artists to kind of display the different personalities he kind of really fleshed that out i wonder if um if bemis will kind of focus on that uh that aspect as well yeah well i think going from lamia was always my worry that everything he set up lamia set up in that line would sort of be crushed for a new writer who maybe didn't get it as much but um when he was sort of quizzed quizzed about he talked about um how Jeff basically left him okay with who he was and his split personalities and being okay with that. Talked about there's more interesting stories that come out after grappling with your demons about figuring out what's ahead of you and, you know, how to live with your demons once you've beaten them. And um, Max Beam himself is someone who suffers from um, mental illnesses and he talks about, I think, being bipolar and breaks from reality. So yeah, 
I think there's a lot he can bring into his writing with that. Yeah, that'll be very, very uh, interesting to see his take on Moon Knight um, with that kind of added, uh, I guess, knowledge or experience uh, in that in that sort of thing. Um, he also talks about. Actually, I was just thinking he, he kind of makes a lot of parallels and he keeps on mentioning Grant Morrison as well. Uh, and I can't help but feel that the parallels between Moon Knight and Batman uh, are c- continuing. <laughs> like, did you get that? Yeah, um, yeah. As much as like we like, yeah, as we like to see that. No, no, he's nothing like Batman. Uh, the parallels are always drawn between them. So I, I found that a little funny in the article. But overall, it's a, it's a. It's a fantastic read, so we'll put it up um, on our show notes. Uh, any any other points, Connor, that you wanted to raise from the from the article? Yeah, I think you learning listeners know we're totally on board with this, and we won't just want to recap the article. You know, give that read as we put in the show notes, and you can dig into that yourself. But I think one of the last points I yeah. want to make is really interesting that um, Jason Burroughs and Max Beam have gone back to the original Moon Knight costume instead of the uh, sort of black and white one ellis debuted as you can see on the cover it's very traditional very Mm. yeah very white it actually even misses out on the um not only the mr knight um suit but yeah the the black and white armor which is the current uh what is it hasbro uh toy figure Yep, Um, marvel legends with yeah marvel legends yeah so it seems like he's going all white again what are you what are your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, as long as he doesn't drop Mister Knight, I'm okay with this. Uh, with mm-hmm. this costume, I think I think it's very much you know maybe just what Jason Burroughs wants to draw, but it's kind of ties into the whole thing with Marvel Legacy about taking everyone back to their roots and what made them them. Yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. I, I do want to. I wouldn't mind seeing Mister Knight back. Um, perhaps all, almost as the fifth personality. Yeah, um, for sure. For for Moon Knight, uh, but I you know. Being being a um, a, you know, like in the classics as well, and and being at Legacy, I I would like to see the the old classic Moon Knight costume used um, as the basis for for his whole kind of um, personality. Uh, But yeah, no, I I think it's I think it looks awesome. I yeah, cannot wait, and I'm sure all the loonies out there can't wait as well. Uh, It's released uh, in November, so we've got a while to go. And Connor, I noticed you commented on it's potentially a or is a bi monthly. Yeah, well, at the very least, this is um solicitation for November that they've sort of been announcing through different publishers, so CBR, Bleeding Cool, what have you. And they made specific mention in the solicitation that it's 188, 189. So at least I think for sure yep. it's it's either bi-monthly or what they did with Moon Knight where we get two issues this month and then it goes to monthly. But, I mean, as long as the quality keeps up, I'm quite happy with the bi-monthly Moon Knight. Yeah, me too. I mean, the more the better. But uh, as you say, the, the quality, I reckon, hopefully will be maintained. So even if it goes to a monthly, I'll be happy with that and just have parts one and two come out um uh, bi-monthly just to begin with. I think that would be great. Yeah, I think that sort of shows that this first issue will kind of maybe do something very crazy that will just completely shock the status quo and then we get sort of like the story beats in the second issue of the month or sort of a not having to wait and lose um, readers off that first issue. Yeah. No, I'm yeah, very excited. and it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. As long, sorry, kind of as long as... Uh... Oh, yeah, as long as I keep Mr. Knight was all. That's uh, my main thing. If I lose yeah. him, I'll be very disappointed. 
<laughs> uh, I think he's been quite popular, so I'm sure he'll he'll show up uh, every every now and again. Uh, as we covered last episode, he's in a Daredevil. Oh, not Daredevil. He's in Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe again. So um, oh, he, yeah. he'll be around, I reckon. Yeah, which is pretty cool in some in some way or another. <laughs> so uh, so loonies, yeah, please uh, check it out. Um, coming November, have a read of this article. Let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll just have to play the waiting game again now. <laughs> yeah. So, moving on from uh, our Moon Knight announcement, we've uh, had a bit of our own manu- announcement that came out this Tuesday. Ray, would you like to tell mm-hmm. our loony listeners about yeah. Over the Moon? Sure. So, uh, with our Facebook group um, prior um, to the podcast um, being created, uh, we had like a, a very informal kind of reading club which we called Over the Moon, uh, and basically it was based on, you know, we'd set, um, we'd set particular issues or particular arcs uh, up for discussion, you know, classic tales, um, and then kind of discuss it either in our chat room, the loony bin, or rather uh, on the Facebook group uh, itself. Uh, we've kind of tweaked that a little, and since we've got the podcast running, I uh, wanted to keep the Over the Moon thing happening. So what will happen um, every Tuesday evening... Australian time, um, which will probably mean early Tuesday for, for UK listeners or, um, or, or US listeners, uh, we've, we'll release a, a, a little newsletter um, through WordPress. So if you can subscribe to our WordPress blog site, that would be great. Um, and so every Tuesday we'll set basically the two issues that we'll be reviewing in the up-and-coming podcast. So we sent our first one uh, last Tuesday night, and it was for uh, the two issues that we'll be reviewing um, today, which is Lemire's issue number three and Marvel Fanfare number 30. So it kind of gives the, – the idea was that we'll give time for um, the loonies on the page if you, if you want to to read up on those issues and drop us a line um, of any of your comments or feedback um, for for those issues. Um, so, yeah, so that that's up and running, and we'll hope to get that out uh, at the same time. Again, um, we are a little late in, in uh, broadcasting this podcast um, just because of um, both Connor and I's uh, commitments, but uh, it shouldn't be too long. So I think we generally try and get this podcast out on Sunday night Australian time, um, in which case it will probably come out um, about mid-Monday. Um, so not too late, but we'll we'll get the over the moon coming um, shortly after that. And yeah, please, if you have any comments on those issues that we will be doing, uh, comment. You know, can you uh, let the listeners know which issues we'll be doing next week? All right, next week we got the fourth issue of uh, Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight, our most recent run, and we'll be going back with the classic throwback issue with the Moon Knight and appearing in another series, we'll be covering The Invincible Iron Man 161, which is on Marvel Unlimited. For any subscribers there? Excellent, yeah, because I think we made <laughs> may have made a little a little error with um, Marvel Fanfare 30 because I noticed that isn't readily available on Marvel Unlimited. So we'll try to um, review at least some issues that you can easily get your hands on. So uh, if you do have Marvel Fanfare 30, um, then great stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, for future reads, we'll try and keep it quite accessible for everyone. So, yeah, they, they both sound like good ones. And um, that was posted up by, I think, uh, Joey. 
on, on the Facebook group of ours. Uh, he posted up a cover of Invincible Iron Man 161. Uh, looked quite interesting, and Connor and I just thought, yep, yeah, why not? Let's give that <laughs> let's give that a go for next week. So that will be up for next week. Um, so anyway, without any further ado, let us dive into our issues for this week. All right, so third issue of Jeff Lemire's uh, Greg Smallwood and Geordie Blair's Moon Knight. Welcome to New Egypt, Part 3, released June 1st, 2016. And uh, with an um, absolutely gorgeous cover with that classic, uh, you know, chalk-like white that blends into the white background of a um, mummy wrapped in his white bandages. Yeah, love the texture, and it's a it's a uh, carry on definitely from the last page, last page reveal of issue two. Uh, yeah, that's it's what I really love about these covers is that it's um, it's quite simple. Uh, again, just black and white, uh, but the texture is just fantastic, as you mentioned, like the charcoal, uh, and definitely it could be t shirt worthy. I reckon. <laughs> I think any of these covers could be. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I hope they. I hope we love fine, uh, which is a. A t-shirt printing um, company, welovefine.com. I hope they re-release it in some Ooh. capacity. Or I hope, yeah, I hope I hope the Moonlight Legacy um, throws up some really good covers as well because uh, I'd be keen to get one of them if, if they do release it. All right, so following directly on from issue two with an escape of Mark Spector as Mr. Knight, Gina, Crawley, uh, Frenchie, and Marlene, they uh, escape to the subway where they discover mummies. Where um, in their desperate escape, they have to face these mummies, which may or may be mummies, or just uh the hosp- uh the um asylum's wards. So as they make their desperate escape, they fend off baddie after baddie, only to find themselves on the edge of the other void. With a need to escape, who better to show up than Anubis himself, allowing crossing from safety with the cost of a single soul, which is a uh, kind of a lot. Not just single, that makes it sound smaller. It's kind of a lot. It's like one person's mm-hmm. also. Yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And as they make their way to the other side, they realize all they have achieved is making it back to a apocalyptic New York covered in sand and flying jackals. Yeah, that, that wraps up the pitch pretty well. It's another great issue, I think. And uh, again, Lemire does not let up with this. Uh, again, fantastic art, um, as usual. Um, but what were your main aspects for this, Connor? All right, I'd just like to um, start off with one of the big things I noticed this first page. It's uh, you have to get your fight on from, a, from almost only a couple of one pages in the previous issue. You get a, the first three pages of all-out swinging fists. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I, uh, I, I do enjoy it as well. Um, uh, straight into the action because last issue, issue two, uh, if you recall, there wasn't too much action at all. It was more so a, an escape story for them to actually, for Mark to actually realise a lot of it was built um, uh, fleshing out the overvoid and the other void. So it's good to see that issue three, yeah, yeah smack bang into the action again. And um, just these, once again, we're just going to crazy uh, small wood um, panel setup. And just the way it sort of conjusts from the first page of a very claustrophobic as the mummies get by to this very open page of Mark Spector getting the advantage as everyone piles straight into these mummies. Yeah, no, um, so which uh, which page, were you, which layout were you looking there, Connor? Um, well, you sort of open with the, what is it, almost just the first page is a series of, what is that? 
yeah, very very cluttered. Uh, and uh, what is yeah, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, ten panels. And yeah, and then we open then to a double page spread of uh, just an absolute all out advantage as the uh, Gina, Frenchie, and Mister Knight just start laying into these mummies. <laughs> you got yeah, definitely. You, you got the head being lopped off. Uh, you got an elbow to the to the upper uh, to the jaw. You got Mr. Moon Knight smashing two heads together into dust. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty action packed. Uh, and that actually brings, uh, brings it to actually my first aspect, which is the first time we see Dr. Emmett in her mm. true visage, so to speak. So she's actually, uh, I'm going to pronounce it as Amut, um, which is the soul eater. Uh, and she is pretty much a crocodile or alligator with, uh, with dreadlocks. <laughs> Um, and we have uh, uh, Billy and Bobby behind her, I'm assuming, uh, the two right-hand people with a straight jacket and a syringe. But, yeah, I found it was really good to to finally see what was alluded to and what Mark was constantly referring it to uh, in the lead-up to this. Uh, we actually see that she is one of the, one of the gods, which um, has influenced, I'm assuming, the good doctor. Uh, um, but this is this is the the spirit from the over void, or the other void that um, that has taken or influenced Doctor M. Yeah, and I think just the just the sort of massive size of her head and the very sort of stark red just makes her really someone really threatening. You know, Mark gets the hidden, but just the way she sort of takes up panel space, it's just very clearly set up that she's just not someone to be messed with. Oh, definitely. The first time you see her, you're seeing her from uh, a lower vantage point, looking up, and, and Crawley's looking up to her. So it's it's very much a, a, a powerful um, stand that she has. But what I love about that is that Mark just doesn't <laughs> care about that. And you see the next page at the bottom, he just goes for it, and he he, he hits a one. So um, you can see he's a lot more sure of himself. Uh, and uh, he's no longer kind of the cowering or the, um, you know, the the um, confused uh, inmate or, I'm sorry, uh, patient. He's uh, he knows what he has to do, and he gets. In, and sorry, another in, another um, aspect that I have is is shown on the next page, which is uh, Conchu. He actually um, guides them. Uh, away from there. So Conchu helps him out. Yeah, it's sort of a very sort of continue on and building on the fact that Mark went from someone sort of very weak and scared in this asylum to someone now leading the pack. You know, he's got got Conchu's blessing again. He's ready to swing in and escape. Mm. And he's a lot more com- It seems he's a lot more comfortable with that mask on. Like he's he's just uh, yeah he's just a lot more sure of himself. And whenever he has that mask on, um, he. He kind of sees Conchu for what he is, so uh, yeah. So he uh, he basically he tells uh, the crew, Crawley, Gina, and Co. Uh, to follow the tunnel where Conchu was, um, but he gets into a spot of bother himself. Doesn't yeah, he? and this leads into my next aspect, which is uh, colors extraordinaire. Just in these first, what is it, about ten pages, just how differently we switch from these very threatening dark blues and blacks to just complete black. And then we see the the very lit up and sort of almost warm and safe use of what, you know, the illusion world where, you know, Amut is Emmett and Billy and Bobby are just two orderlies. Yeah, that's a yeah fantastic point. Connor. I'm just looking at now, I'm flicking from page, basically page seven to eight, 
you, you get the best sense of it. So page seven, um, he's he's in this dark world, is kind of saying, um, and you know they're they're leaving the tunnel, and then the moment he gets uh, injected, um, one of, I think Billy yeah. or Bobby injects him. Uh, then he see, starts seeing the illusion or what previously we thought was the reality and the colours just shift uh, totally. Uh, you get it's Everything's kind of lit up. Yeah, and then immediately after that, you just go to straight black again with an appearance of conscious straight into this whole new colour dynamic of the um, golden-lit uh, Egyptian temple. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, just going back a couple though, I've got a I've got a shout out uh, on page ten as well. I just love that image. There's one that red is used, and it's just black and white of con- uh, oh, red yeah. and conchu. Really, really good. I think mean, that's a poster worthy image <laughs> myself. Uh, but actually, before we go to that temple, um, I've just got to expand a little bit on my aspect with conchu, um, and this was yeah my my um, my second aspect. Which was basically how Conchu saying, uh, again we got Mark visiting Conchu, and he's basically saying, "Let your insanity guide you." So, what what Mark gathers from this, and what I think is a uh, a small turning point as well, is that um, Mark will fully accept now that he will just go with the flow, go with this kind of craziness. I mean, he already kind of started to. But um, he was still a little unsure when he was drugged by Emmett and uh, Billy and Bob not long ago. Um, but Conchu just says to him, no, you've got you to gotta stop fighting it. You've got to give into it and let the insanity guide you. So I think that's when he kind of accepts all the craziness and the golden temple, as you mentioned, Connor. His sort of craziness is defined by Moon Knight. You know, he, he's scared and he's in the dark, so he takes the Mr. Knight mask uh, off and then once contrary reassurance to let your insanity guide you, it's immediately you know putting the mask back on to get back into the fight of this golden temple. Shortly after that, he, well, we think he's in trouble, but he bun- bumps into his uh, his crew again. So Gina Crawley, uh, the unconscious Marlene, and Frenchie are there to greet him. Um, and now this is how many how many aspects have I got so far? <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Amut Conchu's. Uh, um, influence. Uh, this is the third aspect for me, which is probably a big one that you've got as well, Connor. But it looks like they're in uh, just the edge of the other void. Yeah, the other void's here to stay. Mm-hmm. So brilliant colours again from Geordie Belair. Uh, so you've got the Golden Temple. Uh, you've got the the people predominantly in white because they were in their patient um, uniform gear, and then you have the big expanse of the other void ahead of them. Uh, so they've got to figure out um, how to get across, and this is when they bump into Anubis. Holy crap! Just there, big and massive. Yeah. So in a short space, uh, we've got we've got the three the three big players in the Egyptian mythology. We've got Khonshu that we know that we've known for a long time. Uh, we've seen now Amut, um, which is who has possessed Doctor Emmett. Uh, and now we have uh, Anubis, who to me is very similar to um, Styx, right, from I think it's a Greek or is it the Greek mythology or is it Roman oh, mythology? Oh, yeah, I no, I don't know. <laughs> but is a river, it's a guy that um, guides you across the river, um, river of death. I think it's, 
Oh, God, I'm terrible. I'm probably stuffing this all up, Looney, so apologies. But anyway, Anubis is here on what looks to be a, uh, a, a bit of an, a bone raft, uh, and he can actually take them across the other void. But that comes with a price, which is uh, something before even Anubis shows up that Marlene whispers in a drugged haze, which sort of suggests to me that she's been drugged to hide the fact she knows quite a bit more about this uh, this hallucinated world than anyone else. Ah. Oh, good point. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick that. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, she says there will be a price, so she knows. Um, she knows the procedure here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they've obviously been trying to keep her under wraps, so she doesn't give away too much. But no, that's a great point. Um, uh, so as you mentioned, uh, there is a, a sacrifice that is needed, um, and that's uh, willingly. Uh, old Crawley put his hand up for that. Yeah, big heroic moment, uh, sacrificing himself to escape uh, Billy and Bobby, taking a soul for even Soldier Anubis to let him cross. Yeah, so he basically says, "Yep, quickly do it, let's go." And before Billy and Bobby can can catch them, they jump on the the bone raft and off they go. And then they reach um, what can only be uh, the edge of the the other void. Um, Gene is still kind of, throughout the whole thing, Gene is still um, kind of clued out with the whole thing. Uh, you know, she, with the other overvoid, or the other void, she kind of goes, oh, is that a nightclub? She kind of still sees, she saw the mummies as the wardens as well. So she's not completely kind of taken over. So it only seems to, well, it seems to be Crawley, definitely. Uh, Frenchie seems to believe in it, yeah. whether he sees it or not, I don't know. And Marlene has been revealed to she knows what's happening. So Jen is the only one that really is not too sure um, basically what's happening. I mean, if you're on a bone raft with Anubis and you're in some cosmic other void, uh, I'd be a little kind of <laughs> I'd be querying what is you know what is real and what isn't. But anyway, so she she sticks to her guns, um, and they have to leave Crawley behind unfortunately, which is a little sad, I thought. Yeah. Because he did so well and he, and he kind of guided Mark. Um, and as they go, uh, I always thought it was, oh, yeah, it is, um, Gina. So she she kind of gets a sense that they're nearly there at New York. She can smell it, right? So she says, I can smell it. Um, it's on just on the other side of the sewer grate. So they climb up the, the ladder. Uh, there's a bit of sand that comes through, which <laughs> as a reader you kind of think, okay, Something's not totally right here. Uh, and as you mentioned, Connor, at the end, it's, uh, it reveals that there's still, um, you know, pyramids, sand and jackals in New York City. So we're kind of kind of still back at square yeah. one. What, what were your thoughts at the end of this? Yeah, I mean, I, this wasn't what I was expecting at all when it came to, you know, they've seemed to have travelled so long compared to when just... Uh, Mark at the start of this run and issue mm. one just like climbed to the top of the building to visit you know New York. They've like climbed this, you know, they've made their way through the other void to reach New York once again. And I thought it it gives a weird validity that he still might be insane. Yeah, that's what I that's what I think as well. Because hmm, let me get this straight: um, the other void and the over void. It's kind of a little confusing at times, right? So the over void is what they just travelled through, right? And is that where these beings like Anubis, Anubis, sorry, and uh, and, and Amut and Khonshu, is that where they live? 
Yeah, and then they have to enter vessels to exist in the real world, so obviously they've managed to cross over with, you know, Earth and have now invaded it. Okay, and then what's the other void? <laughs> so, when I saw the overvoid, sorry. Uh, there's the other, other void and the overvoid. So, the other void, because they, they mention it, uh, loony listeners, it'll be great if you can um, drop in your two cents on this as well. So, if we go back to um, page 18, and they reach the edge, right? And Mark says, I don't know, not for certain, uh, this place is at the other void. Um, and then... Gina says the overvoid, isn't that a night? So she actually has called it something else. Is that is that an error? <laughs> no. Well, um, just to you know, as we've uh, read ahead, I say uh, people are reading through it the first time just catch on to that because that very much does get explored a little later on in this run. So is it? Uh, yeah, oh. yeah. Okay, I might have forgotten then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh, I'm in for a I'm in for a fun ride <laughs> again. Um, okay. But yeah, so essentially at the end, it seems that they've come a long way basically to reach the same point. So now it's kind of a, you know, is Mark still crazy? But what what the big difference is here is that the other, um, the other patients see it as well. Yeah, because he even says, you know, you still miss New York, Gina. That means she might even be seeing the whole messed up world now too. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's... Uh, it leaves you with a few questions, which is always good. Uh, actually, I, I do remember what happens. To, I mean, I, I essentially know what happens at the end, and, and any of the uh, the listeners or the loonies that have read it, you know, we're not. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it anyway. But it, it does make a lot of sense at the end. But I'm just re rereading it again now, like rereading issue three. Uh, it kind of does leave you in a very confused state, <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of fun, you know, forgetting that sort of stuff. It's still fresh in our mind as we're heading through it now yeah definitely oh the amount of stuff that we read yeah. <laughs> going back to something uh, just a year old is, is like reliving it anyway what would you rate this uh this issue kind of this issue i think is just a complete five out of five you know i it's still kind of getting us to our destination before we hit maybe our six out of five crescent darts but this one for sure you know it's just it's just this amazing full-on journey that we see these characters take and it's it's this odyssey and we're getting to a very big destination the last you know two issues before we hit a a new arc well sort of new arc in this book is we'll see but yeah mm. no five out of five it's just flawless yeah it is a very good book I, i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to be harsh with myself with this because uh, i've given i've given the other ones high ones um this is still a, a really, a really, really good issue. Like it's, it's a, one of the must reads still. But I'll comparing it to the first two as well. Look, I'll give it four and a half then. Mm. Four and a half crescents out, crescent darts out of five. Um, basically, because relative to say the previous issue, we got a whole. What I really enjoyed with the previous issues is that we got a whole lot um, from Conchu about. Uh, a bit more development about the other void and the overvoid and the overvoid, and I thought introducing that was fantastic. Uh, this this pretty much runs runs with it. Um, so uh, there's not more. There isn't apart from Anubis. There there really isn't any more that is is given. I mean, you, basically, you're given a lot of information in issues one and two, and this kind of fleshes it out, and that's that's fantastic. But it's um, yeah. 
to me, it it didn't seem as important as the other two. So for yeah. that for that reason alone, I give it four and a half. But you know, by no means is it a bad issue. Yeah, well, I think that does us nicely. However, I want to make a point actually that um when it came to we sort of seeing a more comedic writer on our new run that um you know this issue still does manage a bit of humor. You know, I won't like say anything out specifically, but if you read through it, you know, there's a few points where you know okay. it's actually set up for a bit of laughs from from this issue. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it's very subtle stuff. You're whacked in the head, sort of. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there is there is a little bit of subtle humor there. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I have a feeling Bemis might be a bit more, uh, yeah. a bit more obvious with it. Um, but no, definitely, yeah, definitely. You can't say that um, Moon Knight issues have been without humor up until this point. They've always been a little bit of it in there. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. All right. Would you like to move on to our next issue? All right. Well, so for issue, our next issue, start to review. We said we'd do Marvel Fanfare number thirty. Uh, this was issued um, in January nineteen eighty-seven, so an older, older run. It was titled Real to Real, so R E A L to R E E L, and it had the creative team of Anne Ascenti as writer, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the credits actually are, are done cinematically. So I'm assuming Brent Eric Anderson is the penciler and Al Williamson is the inker. But, ah. they've, been, but they've been credited as so written by Anne Asenti, which obviously is a writer, directed by Brent Eric Anderson, and cinematography by Al Williamson. So I'm I'm assuming... The um, so Brent Eric Anderson, the director, is the the artist, and the cinematographer is the inker. Um, I'm actually familiar with Al Williamson as as a, a penciler, so I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he did some um, some Daredevil back in the day as well. But uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, those were the credits, uh, and uh, the cover is a really beautiful cover. Yeah, actually. it's uh, it's actually a. a um, what would you call it? A fold out or, or a, a wraps around to the back? Yeah, wrap around. Uh, cover, wrap yeah. around. Um, and it's look without spoiling too much before we get into the story. It's Moon Knight um, in looks like a dance pose, a ballet, balletic dance pose, with um, a woman who is green <laughs> <laughs> and looks very That's graceful. Either. Yeah, and has a lot of uh, foliage or leaves coming out of her. And they're dancing in space. So there's the moon, obviously, and there's earth um, shown in it. It's very beautifully done. Um, and it's it's uh, been credited as Anderson 85 or 86. So, yeah, so Brent Eric Anderson could well be the, the penciler for this, but he does the covers as well. Um yeah, did you did you, did you like the cover there, Connor? Oh, I think it was gorgeous. I, you know, I, I we'll go into it in a bit, but the whole the whole issue is really gorgeous and probably like really stands out in that time. But yeah, just totally cosmic here too. To- totally cosmic, um, and it's one of, again one of those um, those stories of the time. I think which uh, is really well well pieced together. Um, so anyway, it's tied a reel to reel. Uh, so there's a sense of there's some sort of cinematic um, uh, angle to it. Uh, and as for a pitch, 
we have uh, just outside the town of Kingdale, a film crew coldly kills uh, some wildlife in uh, the name of art. Um, and then we cut to Mark and Marlene uh, discussing Mark's personalities uh, as Mark seems to be leaning towards his Moon Knight persona, which kind of rubs Marlene up the wrong way. And this kind of ends up uh, inevitably in a bit of an argument. So Mark goes out um, to his gym, as you do when you're a bit angry, and he does a bit of a workout. Uh, and as he does a workout, uh, as the, the argument has kind of cooled down a bit, Marlene uh, comes back to him and she kind of lets it be known to him that there's this thing coming up called the Syzygy Quadrature which is basically an elemental thing in which the moon's gravitational pull, I think, is stronger than usual. Um, so Marlene's kind of warning Mark that she's concerned that um, since he is very much tied to the moon, that he might end up basically being crazier than he already is. So, um, so she comes up with a plan, okay, saying, let's get out of here. Let's drive away from New York City or from the Grant Mansion uh, and let's uh, lay low until the Syzygy quadrature um, is finished. So as they coincidentally head up towards Kingdale, where we previously saw um, the film crew kill these animals, um, uh, they they arrive in the town and they stay there and they um, they start to get settled in and they start to see kind of weird stuff. Um, they see it raining blood, so to speak, which the sheriff says, "Oh, look, it's just a yeah. it, it's just the red clay kind of being you know sucked up into the clouds." And you know he explains it quite scientifically. And they also see birds start to fall out from the sky. Um, so what happens after that shortly is that they have basically another argument, <laughs> um, in which case Marlene storms out and Mark storms out in his Moon Knight um, costume uh, into the woods where it seems to, he seems to see a, an illusion of what can only be, I think, Mother Nature. Is this the green woman from the, from the cover? So she's dancing around in the forest. Uh, Mark's kind of you know, bedazzled by that. Um, anyway, the next day arrives... Uh, and Marlene arrives back after having, you know, shared a few drinks with the sheriff. Nothing is actually divulged as to what happened there, but she, <laughs> she and Mark meet, meet up and they decide to drive back, you know. So they drive back through Kingdale and uh, they know that, notice that there's a bit of a, a ride happening and they say, wonder, okay, well, what's happening here? Um, basically, Mark's illusion is real and this Mother Nature persona uh, is basically terrorising the town. So uh, that is good in the sense that, coincidentally, the film crew are still there to capture it all, so they're kind of rolling as well, you know, and we have to remember that the film crew uh, are pretty brutal towards Mother Nature, i.e. killing the deers at the beginning. Um, so anyway, Mark, uh, or Moon Knight, uh, has a tussle with Mother Nature as well as Marlene, um, and Moon Knight eventually convinces uh, Mother Nature that uh, that man essentially uh, is a conflicted bunch um, by letting her see his personalities or his mind, uh, in which Mother Nature says, well, she basically seems to agree to it and disappears. Uh, the, the story wraps up with uh, Moon Knight and Marlene kissing and making up uh, and conveniently... 
the director is kind of shown the door by the townsfolk. Um, so he has to pay for what he did to Mother Nature. And <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, Ray, would you like to start us with one of with your first aspect? A very interesting story and very, I thought, very well told. Um, and the first thing that I thought was quite interesting was Mark versus Marlene. I found their, um, their discussions uh, at the beginning and throughout uh, quite, quite interesting. It, it, it really um, gave an insight to both, to both Mark and, and how Marlene is trying to accept Mark for what he is at the moment, i.e. having the split personalities. Um, she talks about, um, you know, are you Stephen? Are you Jake? Who are you? Um, and Mark kind of counters with, oh, you only like Stephen because he's a, he's a millionaire. And Marlene's got, no, no, I don't like him the most. He's actually the most phony of all. So she's a lot more um, savvy yeah. <laughs> to his personalities, yeah, than I think that Mark thinks um, of her. But, yeah, I found that a very inter- interesting point. Yeah, this was my first aspect as well. It uh, starts off with a bit of a lover spat, and this whole issue is sort of very much about, um, you know, they're sort of coming together and, realize, and you know, the sort of lover's tale of, you know, being together, being split apart, and finding comfort in each other's arms at the end. Yeah. And, look, and there's a bit of a Marlene Nudie alert again. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to go to page, I think, kind of page eight. And, uh, look, she's in bed. Look. Mark's and his budgie smugglers as well. So, um, you know, they've obviously, you know, he, he's woken up in the middle of the night. But I found I find Marlene quite, you know, although they do have an argument, I think she's the more accepting one. Yeah. Like, you know, like Mark is talking about, oh, oh, you know, what do you want me to do about my personal personalities? Do you want me to merge them? Like, you know, and he, and he cites a case by some psychiatrist that and he gives a story about how a pianist, um, had the same problem, but they merged it, and he lost his ability, you know, to 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 play the piano. So he's saying, you know, is this what you want to do to me? Are you going to basically neuter me um, by merging my personalities? And Marlene's going, no, well, you know, just don't run away. You know, I'll take any of them. So she's kind of more willing, and I think it makes Mark look like a bit of a a bit of a dick more at the beginning. Yeah, that was my sort of opening point as well. That uh, <laughs> Stephen Grant here is a is a bit of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. How about your second aspect, Connor? Well, my second aspect is that um, this uh, this came out at an interesting time. This um, so actually the um, much run had finished, and Fist of Concha had actually been cancelled about two years prior, a year prior. Okay. So yeah, this was the um weird in between where um. Moon Knight didn't actually have a run between Fist of Concha and Mark Spector Moon Knight. Yeah, right. So it's like Marvel kind of still stoking the fires uh, after Moon Knight's been cancelled, kind of still keeping him there, um, not with his own title, but uh, I guess it proves that he's still popular enough, although the title didn't work, that you know Marvel gave enough uh, faith to have him feature in a Marvel fanfare issue. Yeah, and this sort of... Actually, this this sort of makes an interesting look at when we actually moved into um, Mark... Mark Spector Moon Knight, uh, a few years later, that it's sort of almost sort of the dying down of the other personalities and Marlene and Mark sort of settling down because that Mark Spector Moon Knight run didn't really have a focus on the split personalities as much. It didn't at all. No, it was almost, um, yeah, it was was almost like a, like you can look at it like a 90s action film 
you know. It was just all action. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then it had him cross over with other um, other characters in the Marvel Universe. Punisher popped up a few times. Um, but, yeah, it, it really didn't – I can't even recall seeing Jake Lockley anywhere. Um, oh, wow. My favorite. It was very much uh, focused on his mercenary days. Um, actually, the first few issues were very much um, him and Bushman. Yeah, so it, it, it didn't delve in it at all. So this is a nice little – Nice little piece um, that came just before it. Uh, it. I really do think it explores his personalities um, all that more. It still makes him look loopy as well. Uh, it, it follows up with, well, I won't, I won't get it to it yet, but um, my next aspect was the Syzygy quadrature, which I found was quite interesting. Uh, I didn't have time to look it up. Uh, I'm not sure if you had two, Connor, but uh, I'm wondering if it's a real thing. Um, uh, do you know? Yeah, I actually didn't give it any thought. I just assumed yeah. it was fake. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got such a corny name. Uh, but anyway, so when the moon kind of, I thought that was a nice, uh, a nice twist that Nascenti put in the writing that there, there's these times in the year or, or you know where the moon actually is stronger than usual, uh, and how that affects Moon Knight. And I, I thought that was really great to use that as a tool for him, but also uh, to use it as a tool for. You know other people's actions, like the the population of Kingdale, or even the film crew. You know uh, of killing those those animals. I found yeah, that... it um it sort of almost brought back the supernatural aspect a bit. Mm. You know that the moon had an effect on him, which was interesting. And your your next aspect, Connor. My next aspect was um. Actually, I'll just talk about the art. I'll get into my next yeah, sure. aspect as we move through the um thing. But I just think it's absolutely just. Um, just wonderful. I think both um, art and coloring. The coloring, coloring, so important when we're moving from the you know grey urban structures to the blue light of the moon, and mm-hmm. you know the luscious wildlife and the way it contrasts dramatic scenes and everything. And um, it's, uh, and the art is really well detailed. You know, it has some great backgrounds. Those mm. first opening shots as you move into the wild are just so vivid and alive. Yeah, they are really good, aren't they? It, it, I always find it amazing how artists can depict animals. Um, I find that, you know, because everyone's got an idea of how animals look, right, or, you know, yeah. how they should look. Uh, and, you know, you can kind of uh, relax that with with uh, with humans, so to speak, you know, because we, we, uh, we kind of accept <laughs> that they look cartoonish or whatever. But with animals, they've got to kind of look like animals, don't they? Otherwise, they look like Looney Tunes animals. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and these it's done so well like, in these opening pages, like the the movements of the the deer and you know them running away. I think it's great, and I agree with you that the colours are, are brilliant. the The art is very very classic, which I think is cool. Um, the layouts are very classic. There, there's not. I do love the uh, depiction of movement. Uh, so you got Mark in the gym, um, yeah. and he does a backflip, and there's like ten of him, you know, you know, you know, frame by frame. And what he does, I don't know if you see, he's very, uh, it's very much like a ballet move. You see, he's quite graceful. In what yeah, representative of the cover almost. He's sort of, mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it actually shows his prowess and how agile he is. He, remember, he's meant to be like a heavyweight boxer as well. So this is a big dude. Um, but he can still, you know, do the rings, do the gymnastics. Uh, yeah, the, the art's great. Um, so going on to that supernatural aspect, that that was coming up to my third point, which was. Um, oh, what, sorry. What was your other your other aspect, Connor? Apart from the art. Oh, the 
Yeah, my first one was that you know it was the trouble in the bedroom, and mm-hmm. then my second one was the um the colors. So oh, I'll yes, let you go yes. on to your third. Okay. Um. So yeah, the third one for me was obviously um I think the big one with with Mother Nature. I don't even know if she has a name, but the Green Woman um in in the uh, the forest. I think as of a very interesting, a very supernatural um, character that Nascenti is introduced. Um, so you see, when Mark first finds her, he's he's a bit nuts. He's actually um, um, looking at the moon, throwing his arms up in the air, and, and you know talking to Conchu. So he's he's actually nuts. You know, this was after his argument, second argument with Marlene, and so he's in costume because he feels like he has to be in costume. He's wandering around. Um, this very different environment you know he's not in the city anymore uh, he and marlene are out in the out in the sticks basically so actually that's a, as an aside that's a really a nice thing that i liked um i liked about this issue that they were kind of out of the element but anyway he's very much closer to nature and he and he sees this thing this uh mother nature creature earth creature appear um and i found her quite interesting like how she was pretty much the um it must be the avatar of of, uh, of the earth, basically, and, and not being happy with what's being done to the earth, i.e. the film crew killing the animals and, you know, basically being bad um, to Mother Nature. Uh, so she sprung out of that. And I found, yeah, it's a very interesting character. She's not good or she's not bad. Yeah, well, she's just a... She's just a, um, a representative of earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what was your third aspect there? Actually, that leads direct very nicely onto mine. That the first thing I thought when I like we got to that elemental that it felt like a um very classic Alan Moore Swamp Thing story, you know. Ah, very nice. Yeah, you know the effect you know humans had on um nature, especially in those early issues of that run, and then sort of the pure force of nature making a representation. It was a it was interesting to see here in almost like a, a new light. Under the, under the moon, a a a voice get amongst it. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, I actually like the story. I, I actually wasn't very on board the um first read. You know, I I didn't mm-hmm. like the issue that much, and then I sort of reread it, and yeah, I, I yeah. think I like it a lot more, especially that you know, as we got to the end of the issues, you know, you're talking about the thing wasn't the elemental wasn't good or evil, and Marlene sort of talking about how it was just like the force of nature. Mm. That's all nature was, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it was a very, very interesting. It's very uh, almost a nice little environmental message as well in on this, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so um, that my my only other aspect I put, I mean, we, as I mentioned in the pitch, uh, what happens eventually. But my my other aspect was um, was Marlene and the sheriff. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering what happened there because it's never explained. Uh, if we go back to it, um, so she storms off after their argument. And uh, he basically basically tries to pick her up, <laughs> and um, and she, he says, you know, where's your boyfriend? And she goes, what makes you think we're not married? And he goes, well, you know, you haven't got your your ring on your finger. Um, and then he says, well, you know, then let's uh, drink a few and get to know each other. Sound good to you? And then there's a silent panel of her look, <laughs> and then the bar keeps saying, well, what'll it be, miss? And then the next time you see her, um, it's the next day. Uh, and she said, oh, you know, you, you did, I didn't hear you come home last night, Mark. But, you know, where was she? <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, I just thought that was um, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, just that it kind of was left up in the air. Uh, but that was my that was my fourth aspect. <laughs> and meanwhile, while that happened, you know, Mark was off facing 
nature women in the forest yeah yeah it's, yeah it's, it's a weird issue <laughs> it is a weird issue I, I get distracted a bit I, I very much enjoyed it um but yeah that kind of just threw me a bit like like oh marlene what's happening there because she does seem very um faithful to mark you know um, yeah so you know she even brings him a sandwich earlier on as well <laughs> yeah even after they've kind of argued and stuff she still kind of wants to take care of him and be with him so um i found that kind of outside her character but then again nothing is kind of Revealed, so she could have easily just gone home. You never know. Um, what was your fourth aspect, Connor? Uh, actually, I, I accidentally covered it a bit earlier on with oh. like the positioning of uh, this issue when it came to sort of when it came out, and um, it was just sort of an ad, added point of these characters like almost feel almost entirely different from the way we sort of saw in the um Muntron, and it was not entirely different, but. You know, you can't really jump from one issue to this issue and feel sort of, you know, 100% along the same line. So I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see, um, actually read Mark Spector Moon Knight and see maybe whether this and some issues that came out between Fisticoncho and Mark Spector had play in this sort of, mm. when yeah. it came to that run. It's very different. It, Mar- uh, Moon Knight is a, is a very, um, I think, yeah, is a very hard character to write for. You know, um, both as in there was a question in the Facebook group as well of do you like Moon Knight as solo or as part of a, a part of a team, and and I responded I thought like as part of a team is is very hard to write for because the focus is not on him and um, there's a lot to him. So if you don't if you don't write about him properly, he just comes across as you know just this this dude that really has no superpowers. But um, as a, as a solo. Uh, title, I think it's also kind of hard to write for him as well because you really got to latch onto one one pardon the pun aspect of him um, <laughs> and and just go with that you know rather than try and cover everything of him and I think that's why he's so different in all the you know all the runs because I think writers just go okay well I'm just going to focus on you know him being the mercenary which was like Mark Spector. Um, and then this one, it was very much his personality. So it was actually his personality that saved the day because he asked um, the earth creature to read his mind and show her that, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got conflict within him, like his personalities alone um, show conflict. And that, that's enough to convince her that, you know, that mankind is, is this sort of being and, and she just leaves, like, accepting that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it would be very interesting, I think, to see exactly what you said. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that is sort of the thing, you know, having to write this in, what was this, about 30 pages? Yeah. And just having to establish Moon Knight and write a story about it, it's pretty impressive. Mm, Especially mm. considering um, Anne Nascenti. I don't think she's done any other Moon Knight work. I know her well from um, her classic Daredevil run that introduced yes. Uh, Typhoid Mary. Oh yes, a favourite of many of uh, many of us. Yeah, no, definitely. I only know her from um, from Daredevil. Uh, I'm not sure if she's done anything of Moon Knight, other than you know these non Moon Knight titles like Marvel Fanfare. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, um, pretty pretty good issue. Um, what would you rate this one, Connor? I, this one's a tough one for me, and I'm still not 100% sure how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like I like some parts of it and dislike others. I think this one sort of didn't quite grasp what I liked about 
Moon Knight as a um as a hero so much. I don't think like him being seen in the in the suit. He was he was really sort of written and kind of um scatterbrained, which which may be a part of the issue. But yeah, I think um I think it's definitely one everyone should read, especially just sort of its position in the timeline. And I did like some of the um. The especially like the character building between Marlene and Mark, you know, there's some nice quiet moments here mm-hmm. on like the, a swing in the wild that goes crazy. Yeah, that's right. And all yeah. these other stuff. But yeah, I'm, I, I don't think it ever been overly favorite. So I'd probably give it a three out of five crescent darts. Okay. Three out of five crescent darts. I'm, um, I'm just thinking of uh, our previous review last episode, which was uh, the Marvel team up annual number four. I think I gave that three. Look, for this one, I'd give it, um, it is a hard one, exactly as you say as well. I will, I'd I'd probably give it, uh, I'm going to try to be different, so I'll go 3.5, Crescent Darts <laughs> out of 5. Uh, I'd give it a little bit more over um, the Marvel team-up annual mm, number 4, true. only because I really do love the... Um, the fleshing out of the characters of Marlene and Mark. So it gets more into that, uh, you know, weighing up, weighing that up against, uh, seeing Spider-Man and Luke Cage and Iron Fist with Moon Knight, which is also pretty good. But I, I just think, uh, I like getting into that stuff about the characters. So I really enjoyed that. And I liked how Nascenti actually ties, uh, ties mother nature, the whole environmental thing with, uh, both the film crew, um, but also, Using Mark's personalities basically as the as the catalyst for her to to accept um, mankind's you know cruelty. Um, so you know, there are, to me, I found it a, a lot more um, a lot more complex than the Marvel team up annual. Uh, so that yeah. for that reason, I'll give it a little bit more three and a half uh, three and a half. But a good read, and definitely if you can track it down, um, do it. So yeah, so that um, that wraps up our um, other. Issue review, uh, issue review there. So um, yeah, loonies. If you can, yeah. Um, if you got any thoughts of that of these two issues as well, it's not too late. Um, or just always post them up on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, or um, drop us a line in the loony bin. Uh, we're always out and about there somewhere. Um, but yeah, these two issues were a lot of fun. So yeah, um, we had uh, we had a. Uh question from a um listener actually a bit back you know i think this was almost two weeks ago on our sort of behest by um mm-hmm. jimmy gilligan who asked us sort of you know if someone who's only read the uh houston and ellis run what's what's some what are some of the essential runs and we sort of we sort of took that and asked and sort of made a question out of it being um what are, what are probably the four issues you'd give to someone to get into moon Knight? Mm-hmm. and for you know the magic number four. We thought it would be good. Four aspects of uh, of Moon Knight, um, four personalities of Mark Spector. So why not four issues um, for a um, recommended reading list? I'll let you go first, Connor. What do you reckon? What was your first one? All right, I think just, I think a good origin origin story always works. So I was thinking Moon Knight Volume One, Issue One, just oh, classic. Very good. Yes. Um, yeah, I think um, I I think you know the origin issue in the desert is pretty important, but I really like the um stuff with Bushman in the end as well. I think that sets up him nicely as a as a villain that'll always be throughout Moon Knight um Moon Knight's history, and that mm-hmm. sort of tail end of it, I think, is probably one of the most 
more important things. But yeah, you know, you can't go wrong with an origin story. Yeah, and, and I think actually that issue is. Um, Oh, by the way, loonies as well. Uh, Connor and myself, we we both don't know which what uh, each other has on our list. So, um, so it's it's quite cool to to listen to Connor's list as well. Um, but uh, definitely, Connor, your uh, that that first issue is great. And what I do like about that is uh, it's not only the origin issue as well. Like, um, there's also a bit of space to to flesh out a bit of a story. You know, a bit mm. of an exciting exciting action tale as well. So um, we we kind of get both things in that issue, which I think is jam packed. And which I think the in the old older days um, of the eighties, their writing they managed to cram so much in. Like like <laughs> I find which is really good. So yeah, no top top pick there. So uh, is it James? Uh, James who requested it. Uh, uh, Jimmy Gilligan. Jimmy Gilligan. So Jimmy, get your head in the game, Ray. Yes, sorry. Apologies, Jimmy. Far out. <laughs> a, <laughs> I should I should remember these things. Connor's a Connor's a details man. So, um, but definitely, yep. Uh, volume one, issue one. Check that one out for sure. Uh, my first one, I do delve into the classic run as well. Um, mine's a little later than that. So it was released March 1st, 1981. It's uh, Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 5. And for me, that was a, a one-shot. Um, and it was a really good one because it had the bit of the supernatural, well, supernatural in it, but what eventually ended up not being supernatural at all. Uh, to me, it reminded me of classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, oh, yeah. all those horror kind of aspects, um, and it's basically Moon Knight um, uh, at first scaring some kids because they go to what they seem to be what seems to be a haunted house. Uh, but anyway, there's much more to it. There's some freakish uh, family stuff going on with a a loopy mother and a loopy son, and uh, her dead husband. So it's a really a really freaky tale. So, Jimmy, I definitely recommend you issue five of, uh, of Moon Knight Volume 1. Yeah, well, actually, I um, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of this like, like, um, 80s, 80s run is sort of, well, they're almost all sort of um, anthology. You know, there's a few arcs in there, but, you know, no more than two to three issues. And yeah. I think I think um, probably, actually, that has to be one of my highlights, the uh, two, to, two to five, yeah, two to four, sorry. Yeah are all sort of, you know, all sort of uh, tie-in like that. But that's probably probably one of my earlier favourites and sets up the Supernatural Nice Me. All the previous were sort of these one-off villains that you you don't kind of see again, but this one sort of set up a Supernatural feeling that um, continued to the rest of the run. Yeah, really. Yeah, true. And and the, the, um, the scary thing about it was that there wasn't really a Supernatural thing at the end. Um, and it's just the the well anyway I won't spoil it but it's it's yeah. um, it's yeah it's a different kind of horror so um, yeah, definitely worth a check out. Uh, what's your your second on your reading list? Incredibly crazy supernatural issue with uh um I nearly messed up his um, name um with uh, Morpheus. It's uh ah. it's sort of um Morpheus had uh been chasing along Mark and then this issue culminated into a battle in and outside the mansion that uh took took Moon Knight to the edge of his uh his sanity and his um his fight here and I think a good thing always about doing a doing a hero is the most important part is breaking them down their key aspect and this was sort of Moon Knight just on his own well not on his own but you know trying to fend off Morpheus as he um, 
family with I think it just has all sort of the key aspects. You know, it's got, you know, Moon Knight is a very sort of tortured soul. It's got a classic villain like Morpheus, Supernatural. It's got, it, it, it very much shows his love for, um, you know, his his family. And stuff. It's just amazing. It's just sort of this crazy evolution. Yeah. And and that's, uh, sorry, you, you say that was uh, Sinkovich as well, yeah? Yeah. And you compare it to those first issues and see this one. It's just mind blowing. Oh, awesome. Oh, and and that's the uh, so I'm just pulling it up now. That's the uh, the classic cover as well. Yes, yeah, the one that you see on the essential, uh, and um, you actually saw in uh, issue one of the Lemire run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morpheus is a um, a really cool villain, I think, as well. I think we've touched upon him, and kind of we've got to do a a spotlight, I think, on Morpheus. I reckon that's probably one of the first character spotlights we do on this. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, let's get into him a bit later. But I, I like it that he uh, he's actually quite powerful as well. He um and and Moon Knight just doesn't doesn't take a backward step. So he's very freaky because he's a bit like um he's a bit like Freddy Krueger, isn't he? Like he he does the whole dream thing. Yeah. Mm. And not only that, he can shoot ebon energy from his eyes, and he seems to be quite resilient. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a good um, good pick there, Connor. Um, who's next? Yeah, I have. Look, I I've just written them this. I've just written this down, but I'm gonna yeah try to put them in chronological. So um, so my next one would be from the Mark Spector Moon Knight series, which uh, can either be seen as a standalone volume or volume three. Um, I've seen seen it referenced as you know as both. Um, so anyway, Mark Spector uh, Moon Knight number thirty five. So this was issued in February nineteen ninety two. And this basically is part one of Blood Brothers, which um, has a return of Randall Specter, uh, Mark's. If you thought Mark was crazy, <laughs> Mark's brother, <laughs> Ra- Mark's brother Randall is. Uh, you know, he's friggin' off. He's the loony, looniest of them all. Uh, and anyway, he, Mark's brother Randall, teams up with a really weird cult uh, led by Queen Nephis, I think. Um, and anyway, it, it also introduces the Punisher in there as well. Uh, yeah, so it's the first part of this, Blood Brothers. Um, I think it's a good pick because, you know, just between you and me, Jimmy, um, this is one of them, but get the other issues as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's got it's got Moon Knight fighting Punisher as well. They, they don't see eye to eye in everything. But um, I also just love Randall Spector. He's just a totally crazed hatchet wielding villain uh, which makes him actually for me he's probably one of the scariest villains of moon knight and and this is a good one to actually get introduced to him so i'd I'd recommend uh issue 35 of mark specter moon knight um conman have you got your third one i sure do i think it's probably one of the more celebrated one-offs in uh, recent years, and not just Moon Knight, but comics in general. But this is uh, 2014's Ellis run with uh, Moon Knight number five, a absolutely crazy action action piece inside a decaying building to save a girl. And oh, it's just, yes. It's just been probably one of the most celebrated just action comics. But I think it, it's, it's important for anyone getting into um, Moon Knight because it actually has... You sort of see the character of Mr. Knight flourish here. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the action you see Mr. Knight as a character where in the previous two issues you see Mark and Moon Knight. This this issue is like this whole new character of Mr. Knight within Mark's head sort of gets 
fleshed out here, and you just sort of see his heroic deeds and his almost unhinged nature to completely beat up this entire entire floor of people. Yeah, that it's uh, yeah. so this is a prime example of there being so many issues. Um, I, I'm kicking myself for not picking that one, but uh, it did kind of uh, I, I did kind of miss that one. But it's, that is definitely a fantastic issue, uh, Jimmy. It's uh, very cinematic as well. Reminds me of uh, I don't know. Reminds me of Dread actually for some reason because of yeah. the yeah because of the uh, the tenement. Um, uh, as Moonlight goes up the floors, but it's just action packed all the way. And if you want to see how comics should be laid out, then Jimmy, you should be you should be picking up that issue straight away. That is a yeah, that is a that's a goal. That's a five credit crescent darts for me for that one. <laughs> so good, <laughs> good pick, Connor. Um, I, I'm in that similar kind of era as well now for my. I'll jump to I'll jump to it anyway because it's it's kind of near it. Uh, May twentieth, two thousand fifteen. This is a Cullen Bunn uh, Moon Knight run, uh, which came shortly after Ellis's. Uh, it's Moon Knight number fifteen, and this is when Moon Knight tackles the Boogeyman. So, um, I I love the again the supernatural element to it. Uh, it's quite a violent uh, violent tale. Uh, it opens up with Moon Knight basically. Um, crawling in his own pool of blood, uh, totally beaten. Uh, and anyway, he's got to fight this uh, this boogeyman, um, which has been terrorizing and I think killing killing children. Um, <laughs> it's it's just re- it's awesome. <laughs> so uh, it's got a bit of conchu in there as well. Uh, uh, but essentially, it's Moon Knight with guns. So Jimmy, if you want to see Moon Knight take on a a monster. With guns as Mister Knight, then this is just a rip, rip, rollicking issue for you. So yeah, I'd, I'd give that one a good one as well. All right. So my number, uh, no, my fourth one is the only one that isn't sort of an anthology, but the start to possibly my favorite Moon Knight run ever, and that's issue one of the uh, Jeff Lemire yeah. run, yeah. because just as a one issue, you read that and you just. You just don't want to put it down. You'll be there for the rest of the run. I think it's, you know, as you dive into that one, it sort of, it almost condenses the world of Moon Knight into just, into just one issue that you see all the moving parts, and then you get to explore that as you become a, more of a Moon Knight reader and a fan, and it's just, it's just perfect. Ah, oh, yeah. Again, uh, a great pick as well, and I'm so glad that for our episode one, Connor, that we actually did a full panel-by-panel panel yeah. review of that. Uh, it definitely is justified. It's a fantastic issue, Jimmy. So if you haven't listened to episode one as well, um, please check it out uh, and give it a listen. Uh, grab yourself a copy on Marvel Unlimited or even buy yourself a copy on Comixology or something. Uh, it is uh, yeah, it is a fantastic tale, well-paced, um, and Lemire just doesn't let up. So we're, we've just had a look at issue three, and it's still it's still right up there. So uh, definitely check out issue one. Um, my final one, uh, I jump again to a 2007 in December, and this was um, Moon Knight number 13. Uh, so this was uh, part of the Houston run, I believe. Uh, let me just... Double check. Uh, and it has all to do with Moon Knight getting registered on the Superhero Registration Act. Um, and I picked this. Uh, I thought this was a great... Uh, yeah, this is written by Houston. Um, so just looking now. Uh, written by Houston um, and penciled by Tom Coker. 
And this is a really good issue in the fact that you get a sense of Mark's craziness, I think. Um, essentially, there's a story that goes around it of, of Mark being registered or not, um, but there's a scene in it when Mark is uh, evaluated by this psychiatrist. Uh, and what I found kind of really um, disturbing was that you, you see him um, flick between personalities and it just gives you a real sense of how crazy and unhinged Mark can be. Um, and anyway, what essentially happens is that he fools the psychiatrist into thinking that um, that he, he really is possessed by this uh, spirit of Konshu. Uh, and uh, I won't divulge too much, but he convinces the psychiatrist to give him a, a, a full, um, a clear bill of, uh, of health. Uh, and get him registered on the registration uh, on the, as a registered hero. So that's uh, I found that a really cool issue. If you want to see Mark um, Mark's personalities conflict, uh, and, and if you want to just see Mark in a, in a lot more of a, um, a realistic view, uh, it also goes into him how he brands his his criminals um, that he mm-hmm. catches with with crescent uh, moons on their foreheads. So it's pretty dark, but uh, definitely worth checking out, Jimmy. So if you haven't read much around Civil War, the arc, or if you want to, then definitely pick this up uh, as a companion piece. It's really good. And I think uh, just generally, you know, we gave you uh, a nice, you know, eight, eight distinct issues for everyone to jump into. But if if you're wondering, sort of in general, the uh, the entire sort of runs of Moon Knight that you can explore from there, sort of the ones I think Ray and I can both recommend on reading is uh, Moon Knight Volume One, mm-hmm. Mark Spector Moon Knight, the uh, Houston um, Benson Moon Knight run, Bender to the Moon Knight. Maybe check out the Benders run. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> I know we have. I know there are a lot of haters um, for Bendis uh, in our Facebook group, but I'm I'm always of the opinion: just check it out, see if you like it. If you don't, you don't. Uh, but he definitely has his lovers and haters. So yeah. Then we've got the uh, 2014 Ellis Wood Bun Run, and then the current Lemire one that will soon be the current um, Bemis run, which yes. we'll add in the show notes. But yeah, I think if, if you're new to Moon Knight, just just anyone who hasn't explored that much, just read the issues you haven't read out of those eight and you'll be you'll be fairly on board. Or just introduce someone you know who hasn't run in Moon Knight. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a good uh, that's a good canvas of what Moon Knight can be in the, in the eight recommendations that we've given you. So um, so not only Jimmy, but every, everyone else, if you um, yeah check it out, or if you haven't already, uh, give it a go. He's definitely a, a hero worth looking into. Um, so anyway, Connor, that almost wraps us up. We've only, yeah. We've only got a couple of things to, to cover. Just uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, you just told me off air as well that you're up to uh, episode seven of The Defenders, yeah? How are you liking it? Oh, I'm loving it. I think um, it's probably what will be most interesting to anyone who hasn't picked it up. Obviously, no spoilers. Yeah, but, no spoilers, um, yep. It's quite, a, it's quite a differently paced start to something that you'd expect to be incredibly explosive, but... Just the way it tackles, it's it's fairly interesting. I'm loving. It. I think um, if you've been along for the ride since the the first episode of Daredevil season one, this just sort of wraps up this sort of first phase of the Netflix series is so so tightly in a bow. It's just mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah. I think after episode one, which is a great setup uh, episode, and you know there are only eight episodes. I don't think it it just it doesn't let go. 
um, after episode two onwards. I'm only up to, yeah, I've got to watch episode six, seven, and eight, um, but I, I'm loving it at the moment. I haven't picked up any <laughs> any Easter eggs, any Moonlight Easter eggs there. I don't know if you've seen any, Connor. No, we have never been that lucky. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, hopefully oh, well, I'm gonna hopefully finish off the series uh, and then I'm gonna dedicate Monday tomorrow to well editing this, but also I'm gonna rewatch the whole thing again. So I'm gonna cast my eye over again <laughs> and see if I can desperately find any clues whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, Defenders is is out now uh, on Netflix. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, street level characters, you know, we all we all support the street level characters. We love our Moon Knight, but we also love all the others as well. So um, definitely give it a go. Uh, all right. So in wrapping, uh, as we mentioned before, next week we'll cover Lemire's issue four, uh, and also Invincible Iron Man number one sixty one. So keep your eyes out on the Facebook group page, um, and if you haven't subscribed to us yes yet on our website, please do, and you'll get a newsletter with with the uh, the reading list over the moon uh, with those two issues. Uh, and if, yeah, if you want, just pick them up uh, and drop us a line uh, as to what you think, um, well, what you what you think of those two issues. Uh, where can they find us, Connor? Well, you can find us in our um, most beloved group with uh, members coming every day. It's just filled with Moon Knight activity and discussion. Um, into the, uh, into the Night, a uh, Moon Knight fan base. Just look us up. We'll be right there on our uh, Facebook. Get you in there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ITK Moon Knight. Our email, moonnightpodcast at gmail.com. If you found us here, we're into the night podcast.wordpress.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, TuneIn, and Podbean. Yeah, we're on all your your um, popular podcatches. So uh, please, yeah, give us a go uh, and join our group. Um, and we're more than happy to talk to you as well. Um, just to finish off, Connor, um, I just wanted to. I thought, why not? Um, we had someone on the group post up. Uh, Steve, he posted up the the big news that came. Um, what we covered just at the beginning of this podcast, uh, and we got a few comments from uh, some of the some of the uh, the loonies. Uh, so we had largely all positive um, comments from them. Uh, I wanted to just touch upon. Um, touch upon uh what's his name sorry tommy uh so tommy said uh, uh, about it he said the eye of horus on the release cover may be a big clue uh the symbol is loosely associated with bast uh, cat goddess who is sometimes conchu's mother sister or consort maybe moon knight's new arch nemesis is a relative of the overvoid child of bast becomes the living aspect or wrath or whatever bast represents so i thought that was a really great um a really great take on it, which we've discussed earlier today. Uh, also, we had uh, Sandy, who actually uh, hosts uh, Moonlight Life on Instagram. Fantastic page, which you should check out. Uh, he's he's posted, what a day, uh, new Moonlight series and a tag by the incredible Alex Ross. So uh, he, he's loving, or he's getting a lot of the Moonlight love. Um we also have uh, Nick has said, actually, I don't quite know if I trust this writer. So there's, you know, not everyone's on board. Everyone, uh, a few people are hesitant. Uh, look, Nick, I reckon, I reckon definitely give it a go. Uh, we'll know by 188 and 189 if it's any good. Um, but yeah, look, as Connor and I have mentioned, we're both uh, excited 
to see something happen. Uh, and finally, uh, Daniel says he's so excited, it seems like this creative team will rock, and I cannot agree more. Um, are there any other yeah. ones out there, Connor, that you're keen on? Or I, I think I think you've covered them very mm-hmm. nicely. I think, yeah, I think there's just a general general feeling of great positivity here. And uh, if anyone on the fence, don't worry, we'll be uh, covering this issue without a doubt. So <laughs> you can you can expect to hear our opinions on whether you want to get it yourself. Yep, definitely. All right, well, uh, we'll leave you to it, loonies. Um, please stay good to yourself. And uh, and um, as we say, Connor? Well, I mean, as we say, I've probably um, done it 70 different times over <laughs> the last uh, three episodes. But uh, may Conchu look after the denizens of the night. See you, everyone. Catch you later. See ya. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.